speak amateur, by the way. And uh, welcome to Ferry Unfiltered. This week's guest is my very, very, very good and very, 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 very long-term friend, David Scott. This is what happens when he's short of guests. I do, That's by the way. pretty much Fucking what it scrape is. the barrel here. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason I wanted to get David on is, is one, like I'm saying there, we've known each other for quite some time. The other thing is, is he's very successful in different fields. Now, I'll be like drawing blood out of stone with some of them, but we're going to try and get him talking about music, his background in music, his audio engineering, but also the big thing is his production company, hence why... We're working this with three cameras, sexy backdrop, sexy studio. Well, just just to show you, like any pleb can set up a podcast studio. D- well, there you go. He set this up. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, right? We literally turned. Uh, we turned up the day we we're shooting in an old high school, primary school. It's an old, old primary school. In Clyde Bank, it is absolutely brilliant. I pulled up here, like, what is this? Came in. Walked in here and it was set up for like a music video. Like there was a wee stage set up, and within 20 30 minutes, he set up this, and it's actually amazing to see. So, we've let's got, we've got the Shamira soft light, a Shamira soft light. Well, that's the material that's in the front, so it's like it diffuses. So, like, it makes me look younger. Like, we look like 45 each. Aye, this takes a good five year off. It's quite good. We had our makeup, <laughs> makeup artists in the background. We got our hair done, and I mean, it's been great. No, you can't say that because people actually do <laughs> like that. That happened. Like these, these bags are real. Like, uh, but then just listening to audio, we look fantastic though, and you just hear our sexy jazz voices. Well, I don't know if it's that. We don't don't have the big sexy podcast mics at the night, the day, mm. but we're just rocking with the, the the cheap budget mics. But hello, I know we're great. So let's let's dive into this. So I've known David since. Primary school? Ah, yes, primary aye, school. Aye. Primary. Um, primary six. Is that when you came? The class? Arrived at the start of primary six and most in primary, aye. Well, there you go. I've known him that long and it's actually quite hilarious because David's got a twin, like identical twin, and I always remember my story my mum meeting your brother outside Aldi and <laughs> I'm trying to talk to him, but he's no, he's more introvert than you, I would say. Aye, I, I, I give him that. Aye. And um, she was trying to talk to him and he was like, didn't have a clue who she was. So David went to my primary school, but his brother went to another primary school. Yeah, so he, he was at Christ King, then he went to Taylor High, and then also jumped over with all the plebs in Moss End to Bells Academy. Bells Academy. I'm paranoid about your, your mic. Touch I should me. I should really put the... Touch me. So there you go. Is it all right? Aye. I, sh- I should put the, the lapel clips on. No, I can but, the yeah. It's fine. It's only you that cares. It's only, I mean, I told you. I, I thought just we hate us. It'll be fine. No, okay. So, David, we went to primary school together, we went to high school together, we've grown up together, and all the way through primary, you were my ridiculously talented mate with a piano, like, you could go up there and play a piano, and you could go and you could sing, whereas all of us were just sort of, like, daft people, you were really talented with all that. I don't know about that, that's an age thing, so, like, back in primary school, if you seen somebody play the piano, go, oh, it's amazing, well, realistically, it was awful, but, like, on an age level, it was... I thought it was brilliant, and I, I think you're just you're playing your talents down. So, what I want to talk about is, is how did you actually fall into being in a band? So, before we start off, like, let's just talk a wee bit about your music career. So, how did you start off being in a band? So, I come from a musical family. Like, I so everyone in my family got music lessons. So, like my mum's generation, my uncles and aunties, and they all got music lessons from my, from my nana. Like, my nana, and my grandpa were music daft 
So they all got it. My uncle's played in a band for a living. Then, obviously, the next generation, it was just natural. We all got music lessons, so we'd get piano lessons, singing lessons, that sort of thing. But, like, out of everyone, I was rubbish at all the instruments compared to everyone else. So, like, my twin brother, he was far better at, at piano. He started off on piano. Like, he was a great, great guitarist, but he started off piano, so he was far better on piano than I was. Like, my cousin Bert, like, he's just a wee fucking phenom. Like, he's mm -hmm. just, like, he's a paradox. He's a pure... We bam Ned, right? Right. But like, like when he was like four year old playing Chopin and all that, he's oh, he just because he, his dad was a, a player, so right. he, he literally I think got piano lessons for like three year old, like proper classical, getting graded and all that. So he was just he grew up into this absolute phenomenal piano. But the point was that everyone that I was around about is they could all play instruments better than me. So I became game the default singer. So when we were about eleven or twelve. It's still up near Hill, real-time music. Yep. So that was literally, it was like a tin can drum kit, an amplifier at the time, and like a, like a couple of these speakers for, for a vocal mic. And that's how real-time actually started. And it was us and, and another, I think another band for Taylor that had actually, um, so this is just, we're just starting first year. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we all we were all basically in there, and that's how we started as a band. Nobody was, everyone's too shy to go up and, and sing. But I wasn't good enough to play. Right. We like Bert and Moore, they were all, and Chris, they were all better players than me. So it's like, oh, you can be the singer then. That's 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 it. That's how it started. So you were in a band. You yeah. said, what was the original band name? It was. Oh, it was the original band name, right? I don't know. People, a lot of people know this. We were called Revolution. Un unbeknown that Prince's band was called The Revolution. Oh, right, okay. Like, because we were just young and dumb, like 11, 12-year-old. But it was originally called Revolution. Then, um, when we started doing pubs and clubs, which was like a year later, so like 13, 14, we were called Jump the Queue. Yes, that's the one I remember. So, I and we were like that for oh, years. And then you, obviously we drifted apart, like when you said, like I left high school and we still kept in contact and that, but then you went away and became Mr. Karma. Yeah, oh, in terms of the music? Yeah. So, yeah, so I was still gigging as Jump the Queue. Yep. Um, and then I started, I decided, like, we'd, it was mental, Jump the Queue was mental because we'd roadies, van drivers, like, it was, it was everything, this big, huge PA, big fan and all that. And I'm like, Every, they were getting paid more than me. That's the way I worked it, worked it out. I'm like, wait a minute, like, I've got this fucking road crew, mm -hmm. like, and at the time I buy my two bottles of buck, bucket to get through the, the gig, like, I'm like, I've spent my money. So it was like, I, I need to make proper money for this. And it was like 2007, I think. Double D started, which yeah. is now the hustle. Like, we changed the name because it was too vulgar. Yeah, it's but, uh, vulgar. Yeah, but... Uh, I amicably decided look, I'm going to do a two piece and Moore came along with me and the rest of the four of them went on to become foreplay you see the theme there with the yeah. dirty names yeah. but that was it that was it so I went to do a two piece um, and uh, they were a four piece and with that is I love songwriting that was always a passion mm -hmm. um, I used to write songs and record them in my bedroom my background again was audio engineering so Fresh out of uh, school audio engineering, that was me. I was had my own recording set up and I'd record all these demos. Um, and then I worked in a place called Sound Control at the time. 
uh, which was really cool. And there was this guy called Joe Bloom, like, he's a pure arsehole, right? But he came in, he had this old school sound card, back when sound cards were like this, and uh, it was called a 002, and he couldn't get it working. Like, he was having some issues with it, so he brought it in. I was testing it, making sure it worked. I put a, a CD in it to bring in audio so I could check okay. everything was working. And he's like, he was an English guy, he's like, who's, what, what, who's, the, who's the band? Or I'm like, oh, no, it's just me, it's just some more stuff. And uh, he was like, all right, um, have you got your contact details? I didn't know who he was. I'm like, oh, that's right, it's, it's on the CD. I'm like, all right, oh, cool, cool. Like, by the time you finish, I, I don't know, five o'clock, say. Right. He's like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll phone you. And I thought nothing of it. Five o'clock went there, and it was... Uh, He's like, oh, I like this song, I like that song, I like that. Would you be interested in selling them? So he basically ran an independent publishing company. Okay. And I was like, eh, well, no, you're young and dumb. No. Like, no, I probably would, but it was like, they're my babies. And then next minute he offered me a job as an in-house songwriter, but I couldn't, I, I'm not the type of person like Ed Sheeran, so, right. so let's just use four chords and turn something out. And it's, a, it's almost a way of escaping life writing a song so right, you've got okay. to pour out all your feelings so I, I kind of rejected that offer then it came to the point where he was like his publishing company was under a subdivision of Universal he was like look I want to I want to take you under management we'll, um, we'll go do it like obviously my publishing company will handle the songs we're going to we're going to do this like right. and we kind of went on a weird journey with it for about eight months a year recording in this big fucking mansion and, and all that. And I brought on other players and stuff like that just because we wanted a, a band sound it was all yeah. acoustic stuff. And uh, before anything really happened, like the recession hut, and then he literally just went, no, oh, sorry, I'm taking away the management deal, I'm taking away my funding, so there's not going to be any wow. record deal. And that was that. Do you feel like, I remember you went through a period where you sort of like lost your voice and remember, was yeah, that? Yeah, was later, later on. Later on. Do you mm. feel that maybe had an effect on you, like, with all that, like, mentally? Because, I mean, it was obviously getting that sort of break and then you're going away writing all your songs. Like, you say spilling all your emotions, doing all that, and then then that happening, do you think that you've... No, no, see, see the truth be told, right? And the one thing that took me a long time to actually come to peace with, I think everyone, like, they don't love themselves enough, right? Mm. And for me, I was lazy. I never ever chased a record deal. I never ever chased a management deal or anything like that. Like I wouldn't go out and even play our own stuff. Like so I was too busy making money playing covers. Yeah. And when like opportunities like that, and there was like two or three of them, they land on your lap. I was too lazy to do anything about it. So I didn't deserve to to make it yeah. in a way. It's never it's not just necessarily how good a writer you are or how good a singer yet. it's more about do you fit or tick all the boxes do you look a certain way do you have this kind of attitude that kisses arse and is, is a bit great ability to network and I was a bit juvenile with those skills like right. I just didn't have them back then that was I grew up singing a band so I was fully fucking ego and like god what do you mean I'm doing this gig for free I don't care if it's King Tuts or whatever. No, no, fuck that. It could be earning money. That was my attitude. So I, I didn't deserve to make it anyway because I never put the effort in. Aye. So there was no issue with that. But when I lost my voice, that was um, 2011. 
like, I just sung through a fucking bad, bad virus. I don't know what the fuck it was. Mm -hmm. Don't know. And I knew I shouldn't have because I couldn't even get out of bed. Like, it was a struggle the whole day. And, uh, and like, I couldn't speak or anything like that. I just gubbed. This is something that can get singers out of a jam, but I don't recommend it. I gubbed, like, five, six Nurofen because they're anti-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. Get the swelling down in my cords. And uh, that gave me enough to get through the gig, but the gig was awful. The gig was, I was terrible and my voice was doing what it would do with a virus. The first yeah. thing you go is your voice whenever you're tired or dehydrated or or you're ill. And um, and I went through, I was all, always, you used to, you took it for granted when everyone would blow smoke up your ass telling you how amazing you are. Aye. And then when, uh, when it went, that was the worst gigging experience in my life. It was so bad. and. People that know me, that like, they just were like, "You were rotten. You were really bad. You were awful." And see, when you hear that sort of stuff, like, it fucking broke me, man. Like, I was like, "Fuck, fuck!" Like, and it festered. And that virus was—I don't know—it was in my system for months. Like, right, okay. it take, you know what it's like. It takes a while to recover. But compounded with that and that negative feedback, it kind of put me into a weird spiral where. I couldn't, I couldn't sing the same. I ended up losing like 16, 17 notes for the top and like maybe about eight off the bottom. So my range went like, like this, but the, even that wee bit of range that I had in my voice and the ability to sing basic songs was really hard because my voice was failing on me. It was breaking, it was cracking. I'd go to sing something and go, or wow. like, it, was, it was horrible. But that went on for like almost four years. But like, I didn't realise it was as long as that. I went on for. I, the problem being is like, it's an easy fix when you know how, and now I know how, I'll never be in that position again, but like I, the fix is, is you've got to down tools and you've got to reprogram how the, the muscles operate. It's not like training. Mm -hmm. The muscles fire a certain way, the muscle path or the, the, the path of least resistance for the air pressure going up into the cords. Like I was using all these internal muscles that weren't meant to be getting used right. just to get a sound out, but what that done is it changed the behavioural pattern of the, those muscles that were meant to sing. So I'd literally changed, I put out all this bad habit into my voice to get through gigs and it literally changed the how I sung. So it, wow. was, it was detrimental and I was, but singing's 90% psychological so you've got to be able to feel the music and just disconnect and not think technically about air pressure, about pitching, about how thick the chords are or where it's resonating for you. You should just be able to tune in and get lost and the music, and I had that for years. I took it for granted, and uh, I'm I'm, not, I'm still not quite back to where just I can just completely disengage from the technical aspect because I don't I don't know. It's just took a while. It took a lot of technical um, rehab and technique, and going to see vocal coaches, ENT, everything, and just What's slowly ENT, ear nose and throat. So just to get the all clear. Because right, okay. I thought well, I've I've got. A Paralyzed cord, or I've got nodules in there, and that came back all clear. I was like, "Huh, psychological." Yeah, but my, uh, the muscle muscle memory had all changed. So, like, literally, like, my brain disengaged my nervous system, which controls my cords, and I forgot how to sing. So I had to learn from scratch, pretty much. Like, good technique, and my voice is different now than what it was back then. But uh -huh. I'm technically a lot better. Oh, well, that's good. From it, like, I, I wouldn't say I'm a better singer. 
like, but the, my tone's changed and things like that, but I'm technically a lot better from having to go through that Aye. and build it from scratch again. So, like, I think most people win and all, like, but we lost a lot of work, like, during that time because the biggest asset to selling the band, and it's not an egotistical thing, is my voice. That was mm. it. So it's like, boom, oh, there's that, that guy fucking sing all that rock shit or do this or do that. And, like, when it was, when I became even less than the average, the average bloke who, who's out there singing, it was, there was no appeal. No. So we lost a lot of regular gigs, we lost a lot of work, and it was, just, it was a horrible time, like, challenged Moore and I's friendship, who the guy I played in the band with, like, a lot, but, hey, what doesn't it break you, makes you stronger, right? Well, That's I it. completely agree well, with you. You know firsthand, but... Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so, I totally agree with you, and it's good the fact you found your confidence again in that, and so, you got to this point, like, let's dive into, like, what made you shift into... The city, like production city side of things, like what made you sort of change? Obviously, you still do music. I know you still do music, yeah. but like, what gave you this sort of like passion to go and do this now? So there's a lot of people that play covers, and you can earn like a full time wage off it, and we do. But I've always had a job alongside it, mm -hmm. and I, like I said, I studied audio engineering. Um, I studied at, at SE Institute, which is an audio engineering school. And uh, that's what I wanted to be when I was younger. Like, I want to make records. And then uh, I realised it wasn't the be all and end all when you're going into a studio and it's pitch black and you're coming out when it's pitch black when mm -hmm. it's winter and you're doing pop candy princesses or death metal. And you're like, nope, not for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like, I love creating stuff. I love songwriting. I love creating music. I love everything. I love technical stuff as well. So I'm a bit, for all, I've got a creative mind. I've got this analytical thing where I like working out how things happen and... How think how you could do things. So that's where the audio engineering thing satiated that kind of desire. Right. But what I noticed was um, there was a direct correlation between audio and video, like how inverse square law works in sound. It works in light, like and uh, I look at color grading, like EQ. So it was a, an easy thing for me to pick up as a hobby and learn because everything translated from audio. So like. Compression in audio uh, literally controls the dynamic range. So for the low note, the, the quiet sounds to the, the loud sounds. But contrast is like the same. Contrast allows you to get darker darker uh, lows in the image and, and brighter highs in the image. So it all works the exact same way, which is bizarre. Like, see, when you, uh, anyone knows audio can translate to video or vice versa really easy, even though it's two different... Right, okay. <laughs> it's two different senses, visual and audio. But, like, how things work, it works really similar. So, like, I, it was a hobby at the time, and I had... When I first started, I, I worked for a company called Electrox, so I had a good job, like, as a global company. I was in charge of Scotland and then in North East England for sales inventory for independent sales. So, like, I was responsible for millions of pounds. It was yeah. great. But, like, I got headhunted for another job um, for a company called Michael. And they are, again, another global company. I was promised a sales director job, like, within three months because the sales director's retiring. Okay. And I was, I, it was just my ego, man. I was like, oh, before I'm 30, I go sales, sales director of this company and I'm going to be earning a shit ton of money. And, like, so I took the job. I'll stop that, sorry. Like, what I'll do is I'm just going to yeah. reset this camera here.
Hij is er lang. Goed. Right. Is that all right? Yeah. I so, um, Michael, that's where I was. So I took that job and, like, on paper, it was a dream job, like, but I hated it. I was miserable. I had a dick of a boss. It was a sales director. I had no intention of retiring. It was just the way the recruitment company got me to take the job. And, uh and it was, oh, don't get me wrong, it was an amazing job in terms of, on paper, people go, that's crazy, it's a dream job. But I had this kind of, I was miserable, I was under pressure. I think I spoke to you a couple of times about mm -hmm. it. I was dark, a dark place. I'm like, I don't like this, I don't like the pressure. Like, but having that background in sales and marketing, like, I was like, I know how to make adverts. Like, and I was looking at the market and I was like, it sucks. See, for a global company, this shit stinks. Like, I'm like, I could, I could do this. I'm like, so everyone, everyone told me you shouldn't, shouldn't quit that job. My brother, Lewis, who, who worked, he's got a great job with Autotrader. Like, and he coached me through a lot of my actual day job stuff. Like, he's like, are you crazy? You have got a fucking amazing job, like, and you're going to throw it away to start a business. But I was like, nah, I, I, I want to start a production company. You're a lunatic. The only person that had my back actually was Kerry. She's like... Listen, when I met you, you were, you were working part-time fucking in sports nutrition. No, nah, like, I remember. And playing in a band. You, you didn't have two pots to piss in, so, like, we'll, we'll manage. And uh, that, that's how I started. I started Mr. Kama. I went, fuck it, I quit. <laughs> a dream job, like, on targets, you're earning six figures a year. Like, do you know what I mean? And I just went, enough. Handy back the German company car and... This is the... Part of the reason I like, wanted you, I know, we're sitting, you're like, oh, scrape the bar and have a laugh at us, but your story is really inspirational for people because having the balls to do something like that, like you say, mating like six figures, but then what you said is, is you weren't happy, you're in a dark place, and it's like, well, what do you want to do with your life? And it's you having the balls to say, like, pivot your whole career and do that but starting for like it, literally it's, starting for scratch it, it, it sounds in hindsight when you're you're saying it and you're telling it in that short space of time it sounds like oh god it's not i was i was a shite bag and and the reason i was a shite bag it wasn't even about oh what if we don't make the money about because the gigging income as well it was my ego that held me back and it was and I, i'm more ashamed to admit it it was like what is my neighbors going to think when my when my my, my fucking car goes out the, the drive and in comes a, a, a shitty van, a second-hand van, and, like, we live in a nice estate and all that, and I was worried about, like, everyone's going to judge me. Like, it, it was just, and it was the most... You should never operate for a base of fear. Like, like you, you're not truly living to your living on your arse, so you should never mm -hmm. operate for a base of fear. And see, as soon as I took the plunge, and it was hard. The yeah. first couple of years was horrible. Like, see, as soon as I took the plunge, I was like, holy fuck. Like, I felt free. I felt free handing that car back to them. Like, yep. I'm, I'm not going about the car. I'm not interested in the car, but no, it was the symbolism of it. I'm like, take that, take your salary, and let me be me. And it was the, it was especially the sales director, because I was a pure arsehole with it. And yeah. Like, she was handing the car back. Like, obviously, every, the company pays for everything. I should have got the the wheels serviced and all that, like the the tires done. But I 
I was intentionally going nut nut and I rolled it into till the literally the wire was popping out and I handed it back. <laughs> literally like that to sales director. I'm like, oh you might want to get that uh, new tires, please. Tires sorted. <laughs> but it was just the it was the almost it was a stick it to the man moment where I was like, no, nah, I've got to be me, spread my wings. But that's but you've told it the truth, really. Like, that's the thing, it is it's scary. There's parts that's absolute shit. Like there's parts of it that you, you think, oh my god, like this is maybe going to bomb. And like you've got all these fears, but there's no point in like portraying to somebody that's maybe listening to this and saying, oh, you want to go and do your own thing, like like follow your dreams. Like, but like if you have got something a passion, then go and do it. But understand it's not gonna be an easy road. It's not gonna be like Oh, I'm going to start a production company. Well, guess what? I just get a fucking massive contract with Universal. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, it's nothing like, oh, I've got all these bands wanting to record me. It's like, no, you need to yeah, manifest what you want to do. But at the same point, you can't just go, I'm going to put it out there into the universe that this is where I would, and hope that the universe just, no, you can put it out there, but at the same point, you need to do the work. Yeah, do you know I, I mean? I, absolutely. I mean, I, now, the law of attraction is real. No, it is. I know I agree like, with it, you. It's worked it's what for me my whole life without even knowing it, right? But, like, see, as long as you're aware that the the bumps are there to yes. keep you grounded. Like for me, I remember a point whereas um, I thought I'd completely blow it. I'm like, you, David, you fucked it. I can't remember. It was maybe a year, year and a half in, and I had like six hundred quid in the bank. Mm -hmm. I had eight hundred quid going out, like for my payment towards the mortgage and, and stuff like that. I'm like, and it was coming up for Christmas, and I was like. I blew it, I fucking blew it, like, that's it, I can't afford to fucking, I failed, I'm like, where am I, oh, I'm panicking, I've no money, and, and just, I was like, I was like, I need two grand in my account, just to get, if I can make it to January, I remember thinking that, and just so happened, like, in desperation, looking at where I could get money, and I was looking through my outgoings, trying to work out what I could get ready, I had a wee ISA account that I completely forgot about. I was putting a couple of hundred quid by, like, and in that it was exactly two grand. And I was like, okay, like, fucking pull your big boy pants up now. Like, that's that's a sign, like, and just, just stay with it. Like, but there was loads of wee moments like that where you go, fuck. It's, um, it's just it's just the learning process of having to do everything yourself, having to shoot, having to edit, having to do your accounts, having to go out and get new business, like... Doing everything yourself is, is hard. Like uh, we've spoken about this for years. Like you're always my soundboard when I like, and like even when we were coming in here tonight, I'm like sitting talking to you about stuff, and you're like, no, look at this, and it's good because you get that rational brain. Like, no, like because you're not trapped in that with me, you can go, no, well, what about this, and think about this. Same even when you shoot our videos, you're like, no, it's time to change it. We need to do this. But the other thing that you're talking about, like the universe stuff, sit up a bit. So you're sitting up a bit there. Is um. <laughs> I always remember, like, I, I was the same. We opened that studio. I'd, we'd just had Sophia. We'd opened the studio. I had put my money in to basically get in the studio. I didn't realise how much paint would cost and getting electric works would cost and flooring, all these type of things. And I remember going, I have no money left for Squarex or anything. Yeah. And then my uncle that passed away, and he'd say to me when he was, I always remember it when we were up at the hospital, and he said to me, I showed him the boot camp video that I'd made. I'd made this wee boot camp video and all that, and it was for like about Christmas time. And he says, Christopher, this is going to be really big and it's going to really take off. You just need to be patient. And I was like, I know. And he says, No, it's going to be really good. Uh, and he was, he had a lot of faith in me in that. 
And I remember the uh, I'd got the I got the studio keys. I always remember I got the studio keys. That I remember the, the landlord gave me the studio keys. I went in and I was like, "Fucking hell, man! This could cost a lot more than I thought." I had uh, basically budgeted all the paint and all that. So then I realised I didn't have that much left. Yeah. And then that afternoon when I went home, Laura was like, "There's a letter there for you," and it was my Uncle Jack's estate had get settled. And he'd left me money, he'd buy squat racks. Ah, that's amazing. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. it was sort of like, and that's why whenever they made the squat racks, I got them to say Jack Andrews on it. So whenever they came in, they always knew that it was Jack that sort of like, the, the house that Jack built, basically. You know what I mean? Uh, so. Like, uh, that's amazing. I think it's everything, like, I don't want to sound like a mad hippie, but it's the no, way the so. universe just keeps, keeps such a balance between fucking chaos and. Like order, do you know what I mean? Like with that, but it's like you're where you're meant to be. Well, like as close as we are, it was you that said, always said to me that it was like, I think you're meant to be where you went meant to be, and that's the thing. Like people always like to me, oh, like absolute shite, you had cancer. And that. Shite, I, I've never worshipped on my enemy, but like when you said to me, there was one thing you said to me, and it always sticks to me is like you've got this sort of like abundance. Like what was it you said again? Like do you want a curry? <laughs> and uh, it was like you said to me basically like I've got this sort of like this sort of like gift that people don't get to their later on in life where they get to realise things a lot sooner when they're younger. And I do, and that's the thing when you say it to me, I was like, He's fucking right. And that's the thing, it's like the universe does work in mysterious ways. Do you know what I mean? Like I was like I'd say in like my other podcast I was so lucky to have like Sophia, then we were born mm. Lucia was born, but then like my circle got tighter and it's like my whole world sort of changed and it's, see, it's constantly changing, you know what I mean? But I don't think it's in a bad way in any way. And I, I think I'm where I'm meant I, to be now and I'm the type of person I'm meant to be. Like you're doing, you could have been in that job meeting six, fucking seven figures, do you know what I mean? For all you know, do you know what I mean? I, but, I, I, like, I'm the hardest person to work with in the world. That's one of the benefits of working for myself. Yeah. So like, like I, I wouldn't have lasted long in there. But mm. I, I, I get, I 100% get what you mean. See that, and it's alright to actually ride that change button. I think it's been be, being brave enough to actually say, like, do you want to know what? Yeah, I'm down now or whatever, but like, dust myself off and carry on. I mean, fucking hell, you had cancer, mate. Like, mm. I'm just, I was moaning about a, sh- a, a job that was paying me well. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, a, there's levels, there's levels to this. Like, but it's, it's, it doesn't matter what it is in life. It's like, you just, as long as you don't bury your head in the sand, that's it, isn't it? Well, this is it. You know, I mean, it's just facing these things head on, and and the good thing about like you being self-employed, I'm being self-employed, is is like you're going to constantly get these uh, like curveballs flung at you all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's how do you maybe even look at pivoting your business in a different way? Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at all the different types of things that you've shot. Like you've went for like doing bands to like. Kitchen companies, you're going, you're up in, up at a pub, and where was that? Where were you away? Remember, you went away in the boat, away to film like oh, a whiskey and a, oh, a right, pub. No, that was uh, up in Fort William. Aye. Oh, and, and aye, no, there's a few actually. Fort Tobermory. Tobermory and uh, aye, Inverness as well. Aye, there's, aye, it's just, but uh, it, it, I said, it's just a box, a box that way, in it? But it's like, it's, I think that's, I like variety. I definitely have some for me. ADHD where like see monotony doing something that was just like accounts or something like that would drive me insane but see looking at a puzzle in terms of a business and going how can I create content and where is the route to engage their market to bring them 
closer to each other. Yeah. Like, that's a puzzle I love. And that's just sales. Mm-hmm. That's just that I've always been in sales my entire life. I fucking took my own home. I'm fucking You're very good at it. Sir. Very so, good. So, like, sales and marketing is hand-in-hand, hand, and a video is just a virtual salesperson. That's the way you look at it. It's got to make somebody do something, whether it's email opt-in, or whether it's buy a product or service, or whether it's to get them onto the website, or anything. It's convincing the market to to take action and something. So if I watch a video, how long would you say it would take me before that I would want to buy that product? Depends the product. This, this is the thing. Like, and it, it's frustrating because, it's especially frustrating speaking to entrepreneurs, business owners, because nobody likes admitting their shite at sales or marketing. Mm-hmm. And they might have a company, they might have a fucking company that turn, turns over 20 million. Like, but their ego holds them back for saying, I'm not good at that myself. You see that, you see hundreds of people like wanting to do a dab hand and all they've got is they've got great product market fit, i.e. they can blow that product in people's direction and they'll buy it. Yeah. So they've already got the right recipe but they're, they're bottlenecking what the potential could be because they've no idea how to sell their product or service. And I think me having such a colourful actual sales background helps when it comes to making adverts. Like, because I, I go, right, I'm going I understand how that industry thinks. I don't care about the product. I don't care about the service. It has to be a good product or service, otherwise I just can't work with it. Yeah. But I don't care what the product or service is. But what I do care is the behaviour towards from the market towards that product or service. What's the impulses? What makes that customer pull the trigger? Like That's the stuff you need to understand to be good at marketing anyone's business. You've got to understand what your customers truly think. Yes. And people always think, oh, my customers are... And they'll give you demographic stats. So it's females aged... The 25 to 35 and uh, they earn over uh, 35 grand a year they tend to be homeowners and they'll give you all this stuff and you go that's data that's just data and emotions make buying decisions not data and that data your competition already has so you've got no edge over your competition when you come to market in your business. Well, this is it. Like the video we did, like our videos were always quite emotive, quite positive, and then it was like the Before last Before anyone done the emotive thing. I remember and it. And I said, everyone will, everyone will go down that rabbit hole, and they did. They did. I mean, I remember standing there, and it was my first, like, I'm used to like, doing talky ones, as in just talking Instagram, Facebook, and then you put me in front of like a white screen my kitchen wall in your you kitchen mean? wall and Kerry <laughs> was putting like makeup on me because I had a big spot in my nose uh-huh. and uh, I remember you just standing there before you had the sort of like teleprompter and it was just like very yeah. good read that very yeah. good read that again and it was so difficult but it was great when it turned out it was brilliant and nobody was doing videos like that at the time oh, but think about that like because you came over like because you're always late anyway so yeah. I don't know maybe five six at night we wrote the ad that night, like, yeah. shot it and edited up Yeah. on the same night. On the same night, I remember. And it, <laughs> and it was like, technically from my point of view, I, I look at them and I go, oh, the sound's bad, oh, like, because I've learned so much in the production yeah. side now, but the messaging is everything, like, and it just shows you, as long as, you could shoot something on an iPhone, like, as long as the messaging's right and it resonates with people, it'll always work. The mum and baby class. cameras and that. Tech doesn't really matter. No, and like you, the stuff you drew at the mum and baby class, and we did interviews with some of the mums in their living rooms, and the videos are like so strong, and like people will go on our website and they'll just still watch them. I mean, Sophia was like a 
wee wee baby uh-huh. in it. Do you know what I mean? And all the kids, the wee boys and wee girls, that we got some of the other like, mums, their kids that shot the video, and you see them now in primary two and stuff like that. But it's amazing to see because it was so raw, and the mums were talking like we just how they felt, and that's the thing. Like even when you spin in its head, but you knew what to do with the next video when it was coming to that latest one we did, and you were like, no. No more emotive stuff. Let's just go against the grain. Let's yeah. go and try this. And it was frightening how it did on YouTube and on Facebook. I mean, people were like, we have changed the demographic of our gym by which sounds really that, but by 5%, which is a massive shift for oh, us. Aye, so awesome. we're now 65% females. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Which it, for years it's sat 75%. Yeah. And like that shift was down like that ad because people were like, this is class. And it was tongue-in-cheek, and it was like, people just thought it was hilarious. People replayed it and showed their pals. I went up to school the other day, and one of the dads said to me, they were like, by the way, um, I was at my mate's bit, we were all having beers the other day, and one of them went, by the way, need to check out this Jim's advert. And he showed them up, and he went, and whim, my wee lassie runs about with his wee lassie at school. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. And it was so good, because it just, just went mental. Just went absolute mental. But remember, the f- there's the fear factor in it. Remember when I, like, we wrote the script <laughs> and I went, right, you're going to have to start by wanking in the corner. I was like, like fuck that. <laughs> fuck this. But would you have it start any other way? No, like, I wouldn't, you know. And... It's the shock factor. So, like, the, the I think that's the thing. See, convincing businesses that, think about it, right? We're sold to 24-7. You pick up your phone. Yep. Everything just buy now scheme, like, but like, and it's the worst way because you're only appealing to thirty five percent of your market with that kind of messaging anyway. But everyone's buy now, or it's like look at our unpack our features and benefits. Everyone's doing it like that. What twenty five years ago, doesn't it? What the day? Yeah. And it's because we're just fed products and services all the time. Let me show you how to run your business or whatever it is. Like, it's a lot of shit, right? So it's just. You, you, it's a game of edges. It's I, I call it the emotive, emotive scale. You've either got to pull at the heartstrings, or you've got to be bold and offensive. Mm-hmm. And everyone does try to either dabble in one or the other, or, or sit in the middle. And you can't. You've got to go right to the edge. You you got to, no worry about being off, offending people. Mm-hmm. Like remember, like your mate dressing up like as a transvestite, and like I was worried a wee bit. Going like there's a lot of crazy people thinking that it's going to be offensive or whatever even though there's plenty of gay people and it's like but it was but it was funny like like, I like like, I like toilet humour like I like like offensive stuff like it, like and it always works because every advert you remember is either hilarious or either pulp your heartstrings you don't remember you don't remember mm. I don't know you could pick 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 a company out like a lot. Lawyers are terrible at advertising. Oh like all you remember is the mundane, Dick being brown. Or whatever. <laughs> like but you don't get it. There's no soul there, man. You just feel being you're being salty. Where it's like, see if you see some fun. Like Iron Brew is a brand has personality. Yes. Coca Cola is a brand has personality. John Lewis as a company is just associated. with You think John Lewis? You think Christmas? And everyone they set it, they set the bar. Everyone does that now. Everyone's trying Chases to... Chases the John Lewis advert. Aye. Aldi and Lidl had to step up the game as well. Sainsbury's, like... Everyone's trying to get that factor of either pulling out your heartstrings or or making you laugh. But that's what content should be. 
because people buy into people and if your business doesn't have a personality, then you just look transactional. That's the worst place you want to be with any, any your potential market because then it's about how much does your product or service cost. Aye, and then that's when they start... You, like, you don't have that. a brand. You don't have a brand if people are, are basing it, comparing apples to apples or like, oh, your competitor's cheaper, I'll go with them. Yeah. Like, you don't have a brand then. But it's really true. I mean, like, it's your brand is evolving as well, like, constantly. And that's the thing. You, need, you can't just... It can't stagnate. We've noticed with our brand, it constantly evolves. And like, you help a lot with it as well. And that's the thing. It's like, no, that doesn't work anymore. Like, you need to try this. And I think that's what businesses need to do. And they need to adapt, they need to evolve, because, like, anything, like, the fitness industry's constantly changing. Yeah. I mean, like, we were discussing there earlier, every bastard in PT wants to be an online coach now, and they're all online coaches. Every one of them's an online coach. But you say to them, how much gym floor time have you actually even done? Uh-huh. How much, like, because when I was um, talking about stuff, like, there was a couple of ones that were, like, literally done their level three, and then before they'd even completed their level three, they were advertising they were an online coach. And I'm like, you have no face-to-face experience with yeah. any of your customers, so you would never know how to deal with any of their problems. Mm-hmm. And it was like, but it's just the way the business, the whole fitness industry is completely changed. It's like, everybody's a PT now. Yeah. Like, what's it like? It's ah, like, oh, it's since like, you worked in a supplement shop. I mean, I used to come in there with my brother and we'd get stocked to sell at the back of my pickup yeah. in a field in Bells Hill when I did my boot camps. <laughs> like, I'm not saying like, oh, I've worked Everyone what, and but... their dog is like, and see, I, I, even in my online feed, I don't train. Like, and I'm getting training guidance videos like how, how to, how to do a deadlift or I, it's, it's mental but everyone needs their 15 minutes of fame like but the biggest mistake that people make is they don't stay true to who they are like I, I say, say stay true to your colours so say I'm red you're blue because you're a Mad Rangers fan right mm. right um, somebody's purple like people like if somebody wants blue me if I try and go I can do blue like I'm not being true to my, my colour Mm-hmm. So like We all have our own tribe You stay true to your car You lay out your soul This is who I am This is what I do And that's it That Because people smell Through bullshit Like yeah. It's It's so obvious And Businesses That's where like Like Because you get annoyed If somebody Copies an ad Or And I do remember Like there's another Production company oh, On my market And I was raging Like But it doesn't even matter Because see At the end of the day People Smell when something's insincere. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? They can smell it out. Like, and as long as, I think most people need to focus on their customers, not their competition. Love your customer first. Yes. Like, and like, it's good to be aware of what your competition's doing, but don't let it bother you. Like, isn't it? 100%. Like, I don't follow any gyms or uh, like, classy, class-based facilities within my area. I don't, People send me videos. Have you seen? Don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. Do you now me, I don't. Do you remember you used to send me vid- uh, like video guy stuff? And I go, I don't want to see it. I know. I don't need to see it. And then I was like, Why am I doing that? Because I don't do that to me. Yeah, and I yeah. knock people back with that. And then I'm like, Why am I doing that to him and send them like this? But then it was like an absolute schoolboy error. But I don't follow any of these ones anymore because when I looked at it, I'm like, but I don't want to be like that. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be like them. Like somebody sent me one the other day, and I was like, Oh, that's good. And they went. Oh, but I thought you'd think they were arseholes. And I was like, no. And they were like, why? Like, they're not that nice. And I'm like, but I looked at them and went, I know these people. And I'm like, they're 10 years older than yeah. me. See, now I'm 46. 
I don't know what I'd be doing with the other one. So, like, like I, like, I want to be still within that, but that doesn't interest me. If that's what they were doing, they're doing it successfully, battering. But yeah. does it affect me? No. Does it affect my family? No. Does it affect any of my members? No. But you're, Couldn't you, give you a hit shot. the nail on the head. You're already thinking, what's the next step? Like, and that, it's mental. Like, like Joe, who, who runs the place, yeah. he'll tell you there's production guys that, that come in here that hate my guts. I don't give a fuck. Not, the only reason they hate, their, hate my guts is because I must be doing something right to ruffle their feathers, but I maybe taking business it's no like that they, they, were, they were fishing for. I don't care, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care because I, as soon as I put my attention on them, yes. like... Remember like, the one that energy you know, flows where attention goes. Yeah, the old spiritual way of looking at it, but it's it's true. It's so true because I remember going to the skip with my dad. We were unloading the van, and somebody sent me through a video, and the person we won't say who the person was sitting there right, and they're sitting there with a big Ibiza specs on. Oh, big I remember that. Remember this one? Yeah. And they're like, so just to let you know that <laughs> this. <laughs> Person, so-called ex-friend of ours, Christopher Ferry, and they named me, right? And I'm sitting there, and I was totally like a fish with a hook in my mouth, because I was like, I need to see what's happening here. And they were like, has been trying to steal our customers. And I was like, what the fuck are they on about? I know. Like, here, here's the first thing first, like, like, yeah, yeah actually treating customers like they belong to you. Like, hey. you it's, it's not your God-given right to own a market. Like, <laughs> fucking... <laughs> Like that, it's it's hilarious. Like, see, see that shit. It's like, see if you go, you just think, fucking, what can I do to actually turn my market on to me? Rather than it should always be about the chase. Well, remember the like, best thing about it because you were laughing at it, and it says, and they they're going to this place called Ferry Fit, where they're getting this bit, and they're trying to undercut us. And what they're also doing is they're giving free passes away to try and lure people to their gym. Blah 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 blah. Right. And I was like, what? And then they said the price, right? And then I'd sent you the video and you went, this would cost a fortune, this video. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, they've told exactly where you are. They've told the, the location you're in. Yeah. They've said your name. They've told them your website. They've told them your brand name. And also, they've fucked the price because you're actually a lot cheaper than that. So obviously, then we had this massive influx of people going to our website and their Instagram yeah. and Facebook searching us and then <laughs> asking, could I, get a week? could I get a free pass? And we were like, yeah, okay, but like you know, we give everybody a week free pass yeah, anyway. Yeah. So it was just like you, as you said, you were like, "This is amazing. This is actually a great thing that's happened to you." And I was just like, "Definitely, this is why you should never one bad mouth or talk about your competitors because you're just giving them airtime that they it. don't need." Like, I, like I had a, a, an old boss like who who taught me that early when I like because I'd always talk about competitor and try and shit on them. Right, and he's like, "Never do that." Like I'm like, what do you mean? But like, I'm I'm telling them everything that's bad and like, like and Martin Hughes, he, he, no, this cunt could sell back in the day. Like I was young, I was maybe about twenty, twenty one. He's like, nah, never do that. He's he's like, because as soon as you say their name, a you give them energy, but b c as soon as you talk negative about them, subliminally they know that they're a threat, like to you. So they they say they've got they obviously think they've got something valuable to offer. Mm -hmm. So just never mention them. And it's, it's, it's right. It's aye. right. I mean, aye, it's like... I think it's the best it's thing. Like, it's like being in an insecure relationship, isn't yes. it? Yes. Can you imagine somebody talking about... Imagine Laura being pure 
paranoid about ev ev every bird in the gym or something like that. Mm. She looking at that would it would be weird, it'd be exhausting. It would be. But it would push these apart. Uh huh. And it's the exact same thing with your customers. It's like if pe people treated their relationship with a potential market like they did, like like a, an actual relationship, they would get on a lot better. Like the the whole thing that I th find hilarious is that people go come buy my product or service. Like especially if it's something like worth a lot of money. Mm. Like so, if, like one one of your um, like like my subscription model, right? right. So let's say I, I'm getting I want somebody to spend a thousand pound a month. Uh, over a period of a year, and we'll create them all this video content. Now, I, I know that that will transform anyone's business, but at the same time as for a small business who maybe don't have their head screwed on in terms of where they should be putting their money, they might go, oh, that's, that's 12 grand a year, that's a lot of money. I, I if I say buy my product or service at 12 grand a year, Nidhi's going to go, all right, all right okay, because it's a lot of money. Yeah. There's a lot of what-ifs there. Like, that's like me, and I always say it, that's like me going up into a bar and going up to a bar going, I've got a big dick, you want to sleep with me? Yeah. It just doesn't work. <laughs> but that's the way businesses try and sell their shit. Like, instead of going up, <laughs> into, the, that. up into the bar and actually making eye contact, a wee smile, a wee drink, like, oh, can I buy a drink, whatever, and then talk about, oh, what'd you do, whatever, and then, then it, you got the number. That's the way, that's the way you do business. <laughs> you gently warm them into it. You show them what the other side could be like, how you're going to enhance their daily life. Yeah. You, like, do you know what I mean? You be, like, you don't, you don't go, hey, buy my product. Like, it's yeah. the best. Aye. Trust me. I'm telling you. It's mine. Yeah. Like, it's, but that's the way everyone works. It's great. It's, it just makes my job easier. That's why you just go, right, okay, let's, let's do the anti-sales video. Yes. How can we actually make us look either like we care about everything or we're just crazy loon balls because it, it's going to be remembered that's it aye I agree I totally agree mate and that's the thing I think that's the beauty of like with your production companies you can see you see that straight away and it's just it's years of sales and marketing that's all that is it's years of working in sales and marketing and, and working from anything where obviously I worked as a pleb like doing selling and retail to then selling like machines worth half a million to selling contracts worth millions so like like working in every facet of sales made you learn like the behavior of depending on what the product or service is or the value of it or the potential risk to that market changes how you approach that customer and the bigger the value or the potential risk for somebody to do business with you means you've got to put a lot more time into that relationship. And companies know this, right? But the marketing department doesn't act the way that this, but they know this, but that's why they invest. They'll spend six figures to get a top sales guy in, like, because he knows he will nurture the relationship with all of that potential market and bring in the goods. They maybe mm -hmm. bring them in 10, 15, 20 million, whatever. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? But it's that slow process of, and it's not a slow, slow process, but it's a process of going, right, if my product or service is worth a lot of money, I've got to wine and dine. I got, I got to wine and dine this bitch. Yeah, you know definitely. I mean? You've got to actually go, right, okay, I need to nurture my market to actually understand and educate them and not talk not talk about why a product's great, but talk about what they need or how we're going to enhance their life. What are you going to want to do in the greater good for them? Yes. That's it. Mm -hmm. It's so simple, isn't it? It, 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 it is, is simple, but like everyone makes an arse. I look at, and I'm not giving my competition energy, but I look at most production companies 
because all the other experts are making videos, what we are a bit different is, is we make advertising. Mm. Like we want to make something that you can use and get get a fucking stupid return on your, your investment because at the end of the day, I'm, you're gonna get I'm gonna get my, my business off you. So my best interest to blow it out of the park. Yes. So like, I look at how can I get their market to move, and do you want know, there's, there's businesses that they don't they don't agree with me. That's fine. I don't do, do that that work. Yeah. But every client that I have, they all start off with their own ideas, their own content, like, and then when three, four months of the contract slowly starts coming to me and going, "What do you think we should do?" Like, do you just want to come up with this one? Yeah. Like, and it's a lot more work. It's exhausting, but it's great because I show their responsibility, but also means I can share the win with them. Well, see if they're, they're willing I mean? to spend that money on it, they're going to see that return anyway and also like well what's the value of each of the new customers that's and the thing it's no guaranteed and mm. a lot of people have been burnt in the past we oh we got a video I, I got no response I got no response because creating the video is only 50% of it mm-hmm. getting it to reach a market efficiently cost yeah. efficiently is the other 50% well remember we sat and had yeah. to run Facebook ads Instagram ads YouTube ads like everything had to be target marketed mm-hmm. and it was and it worked because it was such a small like because to me when I was learning it, I'm like, oh, but we need to have more people. We need to do that. And you're yeah. like, no, no, we need to hone in a wee bit, home, homing a wee bit more. Yeah. What is your age? What's your demographic? Who are we targeting? Why are we targeting? And it was and that's what I learned a lot from as well because I was like, oh my god, I never really thought about that. Whereas before, like I knew anything, it was like, let's just run an Instagram ad, boost. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And it was like, who's getting this? And some like. Granny sitting on their couch with no intention of going to the gym's like, why am I getting an ad with some guy masturbating in the corner of a gym? Do you know what I mean? It was like, whereas when we started getting it tighter and tighter and who was actually wanting to come to it, it was good. And then running ads against the ad you were already on, like, let's run one solely for males, let's run one solely for yep. females, let's run That's for this age it. And it, it was so interesting. Test, split testing and that all really works. David, as I do with all my guests, I'm not sitting texting by the way. What I do with all my guests is I like to ask them some questions. Right, okay. So I don't need this just now. Right. But what I'm going to do is, is we've been friends for years. This mm-hmm. is where our friendship's tested. Ask all my guests, well, I know what you have in your coffee. It's quite simple. You and I are the same. Like, I like my coffee like I like my women. There you go. Black. There we go. Or, can I say that? I mean, creamed. <laughs> That's a bit of cream. <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Anyway, right, we move on, we move on to pizza. If we were to get a pizza, what would you get on your pizza? You mean if I was being considerate of you? No, no, I'm doing it considerate of me. Oh, your, your, your ass pipe now? What? That's like, I'm fine now, mate, I've got, right. I'm superhuman now. Right, okay. If I was getting a pizza, there's, either, there's only two options I would go for. It'd either oh. be a classic pepperoni. Right. Or... Ham and pineapple. Fuck off. Yes. No, you wouldn't. Yes. No, you My wouldn't. Wayne loves ham and pineapple, I know. That is shocking, shocking it's parenting probably, skills. No, that, like, you've just got an unrefined palate, you mad fucking caveman. That's just disgusting. I just can't believe you said that. Just cut the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Since I know you're an absolute weapon, we're going to move on to the next bit. <laughs> so, right. You have got five guests that you can invite to your dinner party. Right. Dead or alive. They don't come back as zombies. Dead or alive. Who would you have and why? Right, right. Five guests. Show off the top of your head. Nikola Tesla. 
I probably put Elon Musk in there just to see the dynamic. Uh, even though he's actually not a Tesla fan, he was an Edison fan. He, yeah. he bought Tesla when Tesla had the name Tesla, oh, or right. he invested in, should I say? But he's a, he's still a genius. Um, who else would I like to see in that that room? That's a tricky question. A so I've got question. Elon Musk. I've got Nikola Tesla. You think that's a tricky route to see your cause? John Lennon. No, well, of course, John Lennon. Like, but like pure seventies, I'm I'm on acid, John Lennon. That right, be, okay. Be better. No Yoko, no one. Um, I maybe just before her. Do you know what I mean? Um, who else would I go for? Probably. I'm going to say something really cliched, man. Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan, because they, they they work well together as well. But like in terms of when they have conversations, so you know what that dynamic's going to be like. But I would just like to see, because Elon Musk is a bit flaky, and clearly Nikola Tesla was a bit flaky, mm-hmm. but like I'd love to see Jordan Peterson's reaction, when especially when they go all crazy with their, their ideas. He's oh. quite a conservative. Like, uh, no, he's not conservative, but he's, he's slightly a bit more conservative in his, th- his views. So. Uh, but I, I think that'd be a good I think that'd be a very interesting. I would see Jordan Peterson not that long ago. It was very interesting. Aye. I, 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 I've, read, I've read his book and I, I, I like him he's, he's just he's definitely got a chip yeah he's ridiculously intelligent man oh he's, he's aye but he's definitely got a chip in his shoulder you can see that he's like it's it gets pretty angry mm. for being a quite emotional man as well clinical psychologist that. yeah so there we go we've got your guests they're all yeah. sitting there they're all having their shitty pizza there we go right now what I know is you are a massive fan of Bon Jovi I used to be a massive fan of Bon Jovi, but I aye, aye. But I'm going to play some power ballads and some old classic rock tunes. And all Bon Jovi? Uh, not just Bon Jovi. I may have a wee mixture. Right, okay. And what you're going to need to do is within the first couple of seconds... Guess the song. You're going to need to guess the song. Right, okay. Game? Game. Right, let's get ready. It is between 80s and 90s rock anthems we're going to be playing. Right, we played okay. this the other week. We Shepoot was in the podcast and we did a uh, classic wrestling entrance theme tunes. Right, okay. Um, I'm not going to make you play air guitar or anything. I mean, right, you can okay. feel free if you want to play air guitar in front of the cameras and that, but I'm not going to make you do that. So, are you ready for this? Yeah. Right, okay. So, we're going to start with our first one. Johnny, don't stop reading. Well done. One down. Right, okay. Born in USA, Bruce Springsteen. Fuck's sake. Jump Van Halen. Ah, right, okay. So we've got three so far, mate. Three. Right, hmm. Right, okay. Right. Uh, uh, uh. Here I go again, White Snake. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've well got space in there. I've just when I started the organ, I thought it was going to be Dire Straits. No, right. All right, we've got four out of ten, okay? Okay. <laughs> you know this. It just sounds like every 80s auction, you know what Oh, come on. Billy Idol. With what song? Uh, I 
try to remember. I've tried to remember this name. Every night I want more, more, more. I don't know. Is it in the midnight hour? Is that what it's called? It's not, unfortunately. I can't give you this point. Oh, fuck off. It's uh, Rebel Yeah. Rebel Yeah. Right, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we've got four. I'm just. Aye, okay. Four, right, so. Uh, I can't believe it. Tuesday night. Okay. No, no, hold on. The same chord. Come on. Ah! Wait a minute. How long have I got? I can go as long as I want. No! You've got 30 seconds max. And that is... Wait. Boom. I was waiting for the vocal to come No, out. can I even vocal come out all the time? I, 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 I'm a singer, I hate the right, So you've got, uh, that was yours, would you like to go with that one? Are you giving up on that one? ZZ Top giving me all your love or no, something? No, it was Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls. Ah, yeah, fucking Motley Crue. <laughs> so we've got four out of ten, right? So we have got that's four bad. more to go. See, as soon as you drop one, that's it. The confidence level goes mm. in. Right, let's go. Sweet child of mine, Guns and Roses. Just feel sorry for that one, right, so I think it. Right, so you've got five, right? So we've got three more. Right. Right, three more. Let's get another one. Boston Mona feeling. Six, two more. Let's get a. Oh. Fifteen seconds left, David. I don't. What? A, wait, wait. The problem is with rock song. Two seconds left. Don't know. Metallica. I oh, fucking hate the Metallica. The Unforgiven. Can't listen because the drums are out of tune and all the recordings. It's fucking honking, right? See so what you get. One more left. Aye, I think so. Mate, let's go for it, mate. Mmm. Right, let's try this. Runaway chain, Soul Asylum. Well done. So David, that was you, bad. You scored seven out of ten. That was bad. I'm actually quite embarrassed for you. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm embarrassed for you. But see, because you pigeonholed it to rock. That was that. Oh, don't, don't start. You're in all your rock music in that. Songs I know. Like, but no, I like I like a collective. I see think if you, went, see if you went eighties, I'd have been all in it. Seven out of tens. It's embarrassing. For you, it's embarrassing. I mean, if I got it, I'd be quite happy. But you're a you're a musician, so you should know better. I but like, see, a musician with taste. So Metallica, I'm I'm afraid. I'm, I like Metallica. Well, like, apart from nothing else matters. Like, tell me whiskey in a jar. That, that was fucking thin, Lizzie. Yeah, but the other version was really good. Ugh, nah. Anyway. <laughs> David, thank you very much for coming to my podcast. No worries. It's been very good chatting to you in this uh, <laughs> sexy, beautiful, well-lit room. I can't wait to now basically sleep with you on the couch. It's going to be great. Well, but there is a bed over here. Oh, there, is, there actually is a bed in the corner of this room, by well, the way. No. On that note, thank you for uh, tuning into Fairy Unfiltered. We maybe need to censor that part. But um, I'll see you next week. Ciao.